0: This episode is brought to you by Bento Box, a full-service marketing and commerce platform that helps restaurants get discovered, make more money, and engage their diners. Join over eight thousand restaurants already using Bento Box today to deliver better hospitality. Visit getbento.com/hrn today to get your first month free. That's getbento.com/hrn.
1: Well, hello, welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It is Monday, April 4th, 2022. This is our 321st episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is an outstanding chef, and I'm currently on location at her beautiful restaurant in New York City, and I will introduce her fully in a moment. First, as I do in every show, I will start out with my PR tip, Then later we'll have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to celebrate the power of simplicity. Now, this is something I know my guest today truly understands and practices, knowing that it's best to keep it simple. Let's avoid complicating things, and instead, let's let products and ingredients speak for themselves. The key is starting with quality goods and then allowing them to shine. So let's remember not to overdo, overthink, or overwork any situation, as simplicity wins. That's my tip today. Okay, I'm so excited to be on location. I'm here with Hilary Sterling, she's the executive chef at Chisiamo, which is part of Danny Meyer's Union Square Hospitality Group. And the location is in Manhattan West, New York City. And Hilary was born and raised in Brooklyn. She felt the pull of the industry as a teenager, bussing tables during the summers in Montauk, New York. Her career has since led her through New York City kitchens, including Bobby Flay's Mesa Grill, as well as Bolo, Plus Lupa Osteria Romana, and as chef de cuisine at Michelin starred A working under Chef Missy Robbins. Most recently, Hillary returned to her domestic roots as the executive chef and partner at VIX. And at Ciciamo, Hillary has created an, an ambitious restaurant centered ra- around live fire cooking and the understated excellence of seasonal ingredients. Hi, Hillary.
2: How are you? <laughs> I'm good. That was quite the intro. <laughs> was was it good? It was great.
3: <laughs> I was like, wow! I, I can't wait to meet that person. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, yeah, she's fabulous. Uh, I've met her. No, no, so. thank you. Oh,
1: you're welcome. Well, mm. you know, I, I I cut it down, but but I, I tried to hit on on highlights at least of kitchens you've worked in, which is an impressive roster. So um, yeah, I'm I'm thrilled to be here. I love I love. I love restaurants and there's something even just about being here before service like that's so special The calm
3: before the storm the peace the quiet uh it's it's some of my favorite moments in a restaurant is when no one else is here i was here really early this morning and you know kind of just walking around checking everything and and it's just like there's something about being alone here and being one with the space it's really incredible
1: yeah yeah i'm with you i i love it so i always start out with my guests about Get into their background a little more. So why don't you take us back a bit into what we mentioned Montauk, but like what yeah. really truly got you um, to cooking and and wanting to do that as a career?
3: Um, you know, I my um, I worked in Montauk for years because I could walk. When I was fourteen, I could. The closest place to work was a restaurant, so I started working in restaurants and um, in the front of the house, and I felt that magic, that 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 energy, that excitement. Uh, just understanding the hospitality of like, someone needs something, your job is to make sure they have it without ever them knowing that you worked really hard to get there. Um, and I kind of worked in a, a numerous restaurants in front of the house. I worked in a couple other places. I worked at a bar across from Wrigley Field after, this, after college. Um, Wait, what, what years <laughs> was
1: that?
2: Because I worked at a bar across from Wrigley Field. I worked at the, the <laughs> Cubby Bear
3: at, in 2000.
1: I was on the other corner at Sports Corner. No way. <laughs> yes. I was a I did I was a cocktail waitress or I guess more Whatever, a a beer, beer. <laughs> <laughs> a beer waitress. So funny. Oh yeah, old was, styles galore. Yeah, it was like ninety I was there in like ninety six or uh, something. What like a that. fun
3: summer. It was the most like fun I've had. Like I mean it we served burgers and I, I worked the beer tubs in the middle of the dance floor and you know, I I saw what it took to run an enormous operation.
1: Yeah.
2: Um,
3: And, you know, it always stuck with me. I mean, but it was like a machine. And, you know, we would do thousands of people, you know, because and then 10 people if there wasn't a game. And the Cubs were terrible back then, too. <laughs> I was about to say that.
1: They were terrible, but didn't matter. Didn't Everyone matter. still went to the games. And that's still, Wrigley is still my favorite stadium.
3: Uh, it, I lived a couple blocks away with some of my college roommates. And it was really, I did too. it was such a oh great my God, fun. after the show, we got to reminisce. Um, <laughs> um, so I I was working um, at this bar in Wrigley. And then I during the day, I worked at a company called C.H. Robinson, where we moved things from point A to point B. And realizing that if I... I had a dream of like, you know, maybe I should actually own a restaurant one day. I should know how to cook professionally because I'd always loved cooking growing up. Um, and in college, we would cook all the time. And I always kind of was drawn to the kitchens and cooking for my friends. And so I was like, oh, there was um Le Cordon Bleu was on the other side of um, my where my office was that I was working at the time. So at night, I would go to Le Cordon Bleu and I spent a year and I got my culinary degree there. And, and I decided that... At that time, restaurants in Chicago were like Trotters, True, and like just Blackbird. It, you know, where to Inspiagia, I guess, yeah. at the time. Well,
1: I'm um, on the opposite end of my waiting tables type career, I was a server at Charlie Trotter. So I, yeah, both, I've been both
3: ends, but so you're right
1: back then there wasn't, there Chicago were few wasn't, options.
3: And so I decided to come back. It was right before the summer. So I actually came back to Montauk for the summer nice. um, and worked in a bunch of just restaurants, cooking and, and bartending and you name it. I did it that summer. Cause then I spent six months in Europe after that. Um, which most of the time was in Italy, actually. I just kept finding myself in Italy. But fast forward, I came back to New York City after all my travels, and um, I got a job at Mason Grill. What um, was that like? It, it was the most eye-opening experience. I'd never worked in a proper like New York City kitchen. It was my first like um, real job that we did that many covers. Um, besides one of the sous chefs, I was the only woman in that kitchen, and the pastry chef. Um, and I learned really fast. Um, it, it wasn't an option. Now we give a lot of people a lot of time training there. It was kind of like, here you go, let's work this. And, and I didn't, knew nothing about Southwestern and Mexican food at the time. So for me, it was this crash course um, of intensity and really understanding of what it took to be a cook in New York City. Um, and I loved it. I worked there for years. And then you continued on working with Bobby. I went over to uh, Bolo. Um, I loved Spanish food and I loved the opportunity. Um, The tapas and the style was just really, it was really amazing. Beginning my appreciation of simplicity to the max right there. Um, I stayed with him at Bolo. And then I, um, on my days off, as any cook would do, you go out to eat. And I found myself sitting at the bar at Lupa, um, eating a bowl of pistachios, uh, beets with pistachio butter and having a spritz, and this is like in 2006. So a spritz back then was definitely something very different. Um, It was an excitement, it was a flavor that you are um, not familiar with. Uh, And then a couple weeks later, there was a Craigslist ad for a sous chef at Lupa. Um, And that became my catalyst to my Italian um, cooking career, essentially. That kind of pushed me through. Uh, I spent um, three years at Lupa. Then we opened a place called Bar Milano. I don't know if anyone remembers this. this was in like 2008, 2009. Sounds vaguely familiar. It was, um, it was an unfortunate timing restaurant. Yeah. Um, and it was only focused on Northern Italian food. And it was amazing. It was like marble walls and only a Northern Italian wine list. And for 2008, 2009, this was a very progressive restaurant. Bring it, bring it back. <laughs> I, I think about it frequently. Um, it's, you know, bringing that Negroni to the forefront and, uh, you know, yeah. and really understanding what northern Italian cooking versus southern Italian cooking is and the differences. Um, and then after that, I found myself as the chef de cuisine at Voce, which I spent four years there. And then- um, Which
1: location were you at?
2: Madison, okay. uh, I was
3: downtown. This is, you're sitting in the farthest north I've ever worked in my 20 plus year career in Manhattan.
1: Yeah, but you probably came up and visited maybe.
3: Maybe, well, maybe once. <laughs> maybe once or yeah, twice. But During the hurricane,
2: yeah. I worked up there. That was about it. All right, so you've made it to what? 33rd Street-ish? <laughs> yeah. <ish? laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. That's as far as I've gotten. <laughs> I live uptown uh, or I
1: live by Columbus Circle, so I welcome you.
3: <laughs> thank you so much. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I, uh, you know, after Avocé, I did some more travel again, um, and uh, found myself at Vix.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, and you were you were at Vix for for six and a half years, almost. quite a bit. Yeah, and I think that's when I got to know you most or better. I think maybe we met when you were along this along, path. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with with Avocé. But so, what is it about Italian food that's really gotten your heart or really that you've decided to stick
3: with that i mean it's in my heart there there's definitely this isn't yeah. like a choice <laughs> I, was, I was born to cook italian food i love it i think i mean i know i come from a eastern european russian family but for me you know i think that um, the love of the history the food the cuisine like just the this st- if you the way you can travel throughout the regions and it changes so dramatically and we get to really taste those flavors and I found myself in Italy many a times and and I I'm just drawn to that to that finding that next flavor that next step the next story to be able to recreate
1: yeah I love so it. well yeah it's in your heart and obviously I can tell from your cooking having had it multiple times being here at Chisiamo, I've now dined twice once solo which actually I noted. I talked about my solo experience on my episode 305 if anyone wants to go back and listen to that um, but I've, I've loved it, and I came in last week for lunch. So talk for people who haven't been here before a bit about what you're doing and how you how you got connected with Danny, or Danny brought you in. Um, it's a
3: connection. Yeah. Uh, we uh, I met Danny years ago at a No Kid Hungry event, um, and um, I was introduced um, via a mutual friend, and uh, we stayed in contact over the years, and then, um, some of the thing about fire and pasta came together and, and here I am. Um. Like, yeah. Yeah. Say
1: those two words, fire, <laughs> pasta. Yeah. I mean, okay. Sounds so, fun.
3: Um, so we have, um, so here at, um, at Chisiyama we focus obviously on live fire cooking, but also with the accompaniment of pasta and vegetables, two things that I'm super passionate about. Um, we have created a menu based on, um, a lot of my travels over the years. Um, especially coming back after the pandemic. You know, I know we're still somewhat in it, right? But, yeah. you know, this, we wanted this opening to welcoming all back into uh, going out in New York City again, to dining out, to being comfortable to dine out, um, and kind of reminiscing about all of our travels and the things that we dream to go to or have or have been to or have never been to, um, kind of taking you on a journey here. Uh, so. Obviously, we focus on simplicity uh, to the max, but a lot of the food that was inspired um, for this opening menu was probably my last couple trips to Italy. These trattorias that, you know, know how to take a piece of bread and put anchovies on it and just make it the best piece of bread and anchovies that you can have. Our pasta with rabbit was based off of something in a trattoria I ate in Piemonte. Um, Just kind of drawing all these wonderful moments and kind of taking me back to those places. And then you're on a journey with me on where I've been.
1: Yeah. Well, side note, I did a semester in Florence in college. And so I have a little love for Italy, too.
3: (laughs) It's so amazing. I mean, I haven't been to Florence in actually 20 years, but I always find myself back to Rome. Yeah, as, as a home base, that was definitely a home base of mine when I traveled um, and I still really, truly appreciate a Caccio Pepe or an Amatriciana or any of those um, really regional specific from Rome.
1: Yeah, hmm. yeah, I, I don't know. I'm so, I've been to Italy several times, but I always feel,
3: oh, I'm due to go back, due to go back for sure. It's always just the noise. It's the noise that draws you in. You can't hear that noise here. The pigeons, the noise of the people. The, the motor uh, Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, especially like if you're in Naples, my God. You know, the the bikes going past yeah, you in yeah. the markets and the chatter and, and the coffee and, and the smells. Those are all really amazing things um, that you can find in other countries, but there's something about it in Italy yeah. that really just holds you dear. Yeah,
1: this is a special, special place. So let me ask you my question for my last guest on episode 320. I had on Alan Salkin. He's a world renowned writer on politics, culture and trends. And he recently covered and is featured in the Netflix four part documentary, bad vegan, fame fraud fugitives about the bizarre story of Sarma Mengelis. We talked to all about that on the show. So her question is, he has two. First. How do you deal, how how did you deal with New York City code with open flame since you're doing live fire cooking? So we'll ask that first. You wanna hear the second part? Yeah, sure. Second (laughs) part is what is actually new and truly interesting that's going to blow his mind at your restaurant as someone who's jaded (laughs) having (laughs) eaten at so many great places already? And I I kind of answered that myself when we did the show, but I'm not gonna tell you what I said because the question's for you.
3: Um, (laughs) uh, the flames are definitely challenging Um, it's not as much the flames as it is the smoke Uh that's actually the real deal of what um, gave us a run for our money here Um, because we're in a residential which most people don't understand that we do have 61 floors of residential above us um, as well as offices and a hotel being able to navigate the the smells and figuring out how to mask them was really the biggest challenge of opening this restaurant.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking of barbecue places. Must, that's probably their number I one. Mean,
3: absolutely. Yeah. And you can, you know, when you go upstairs here, you can smell it. And outside, it's funny because the restaurant across the street has wood fire as well. So we battle the smells outside. And they definitely use a different wood than we do, and you can smell it. Uh, we definitely have um, some uh, lavender scents places and some things in hiding and vents and hoods and uh, <laughs> to try to uh, mask uh, one of... The guys that opened this place he definitely uh, got crafty and uh and lots of lavender which is a really aggressive smell so hopefully um it eventually it did um cover it and up so we didn't think the neighborhood was on fire
1: well i haven't noticed that having been around here quite a bit it took a while uh, yeah, but yeah.
3: <laughs> it was but definitely. cool. and
1: you're you have you've you're on three levels here
3: uh two two, two. levels yeah the downstairs is daily provision
1: Okay. Well, the entrance, yeah, I guess from the entrance. Technically, a oh, foyer is three, <laughs> yes.
3: Uh, but you can, I mean, we want you to smell the fire when mm-hmm. you open the door, but we don't want our, our neighbors to smell the fire all day
1: Right, yeah, that's, that's. Um, well, you figured it out, I so that's, well, the open flame that's scares me to no
3: end as well, anytime. Every time I look over, I'm like, what's on fire? And I know it's just the grill, but like, I'm just waiting for the day that something gets built, And you know, we have to think fast, needless to say.
1: Yeah, well, I think you'll, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what you do though, as a chef, right? <laughs> think fast. We do think fast, yes. So, and then part two,
3: what's, what's gonna bring him in? It's a tough one. Um, I mean, for me, I, as, Three things that I, I love dearly. Four things I love dearly in the menu. Uh, the pizza Bianca with anchovies and salsa verde. It's yes, definitely one of my yes, favorites. Yes, I had that. Delicious. Um, the onion torta is um, something that seems to be a fan favorite. That's what I told him on the show. <laughs> um, we sold 550 of them last week of hand-rolled onion tortas. It's
1: so good. Uh, it's,
3: it's insane. I, You know, I, I, it's so funny. When the first time I made it, I just couldn't... I was like, oh, this is good. I like this. Um, and it's really just... Um, I just wanted to eat something, with onions, and like I could pick it up. Um, the two other things are the stracciatella with rabbit and arnaise. Um, For me, it's pasta. It's like layered of like aggressive wine flavor um, and rabbits um, and, and lots of Parmigiano. We use a mountain Parmigiano that goes over the top that the cows only grazed in the Alps. So kind of getting a little bit of that grass and pine uh, in there. Um, and then the trout is my other favorite. Um, So the trout's stuffed with mustard greens and pine nuts and raisins and on the side is my Italian version of numbrick, basically, with serranos and fish sauce and um, and vinegar. And uh, so spicy and sweet. We use all the oil from the pine nuts and the liquid from the poaching of the raisins and the sauce.
1: Yeah, it's fabulous. I've had that. So. But I know I'm missing one. I haven't had one of those dishes there, the rabbit. Yeah, the so rabbit I pasta. know what I'm getting next time. And maybe a bite <laughs> of the hazelnut
3: gelato maybe to finish. Oh, I mean. Well, yes.
1: Yes, your hazelnut I don't know. that. Yes, I have tried that thanks to you, and it's fantastic. It's so good. It it's it's really blows my mind it's sometimes. It's really, if not the best, one of the best hazelnut gelatos I've ever had.
3: We had such a great time working and learning and playing with gelatos this summer and this hazelnut paste, there's no sugar in it, so it's just roasted hazelnuts just straight. It's like you would eat it on toast, essentially, um, um, so we can control all the elements in there. It's really really, um, nutty and forward and delicious and the texture of it.
1: Wow. I mean, Alan is jaded, but I think if he doesn't come in off based off all that.
3: I'm, ha- I'm happy to um, try
2: to uh, you know help him with his jaded yeah, yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, We'll see. I think I think he'll be sold.
1: So what? So this restaurant's pretty pretty, pretty quite quite large. <laughs> Not pretty, pretty I hadn't big. noticed. Quite large. How are you? I mean, and and you you recently you're now doing lunch. So mm-hmm. how do you? I mean, how are you? How do you manage it? How do you manage your time, your team? How's it going? <laughs> uh,
3: um, you know, it, we opened for dinner five nights a week and then went to six nights a week and, um, we, with our private events. And we were, we, were, we were moving. We were finding a rhythm. It was great. And then we threw this wrench um, in called lunch. Um, and I was like, no one's ever going to come here for lunch. We should be okay. And I definitely made a mistake. And there are people here for lunch. Um, and that's what's really, it's like, it was like opening the restaurant again. So we're in the week four of that. And I know what I felt like on week four of opening this restaurant. Um, so th- we're still finding our footing in lunch and figuring out how to do those crossovers and how to, you know, when there's lunch guests and dinner guests and we're still cooking and the team needs to get on the line and, and there's, it's just loud and all day long here. Um, there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, but, yes, it's really large, but we can see it all, and it's kind of fun to watch it kind of go. Um, when it's on, it's on the rails, it's great. When it goes off of it, um, it's my job just to keep bringing it back. Um, so my time right now for the last four weeks has been spent basically getting lunch to a place where they don't need me. Uh, so we've been spending, I've been spending a lot of time expediting lunch and dinner every day.
1: Yeah. Well, I came in for lunch and it was, it was, I mean, it was amazing. And, but yeah, people, people have discovered that you are doing lunch and it's um, you're busy. Yeah, we're busy. (laughs) We're still
3: haven't opened the books completely yet for lunch. I still have to, we're still holding onto that dearly. Um, Capping our reservations just right now until we have a a little bit more staff, um, a little bit more uh, structure uh, to be able to just let it go. Uh, But yeah, we're, um, we're on restaurant side of the, uh, you know, opening two in here. And then uh, eventually we'll go to seven and seven. But right now we are at six nights and five days. Yeah. Well,
1: that's a lot. That's and, a lot. I mean, and you have and you have two open kitchens. I yes. mean, you have, I mean, it's it's a big it's a big space. It's, mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. I mean, it's really
3: but it's it's a lot to manage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for we, sure. we definitely text the front kitchen a lot. Um, it's it's a really <laughs> silly. Um, my uh, sous chef, Alex, who runs the front kitchen, Um, he will text if um, we have a code word that when he needs help and it's it's honestly just radicchio, and it's super funny and uh, like he'll just send a text that says radicchio, and I know that he needs help and we have to help him and someone goes up front to help him we go back and forth and um, and then with the parties upstairs we we have a constant text thread of what's happening yeah well communication It, it you know it communication is key in this restaurant and over communication is is even better.
1: Yeah. So, well, I mean, you're doing it as a as someone who's been here. You don't you don't you don't notice any of any like I mean it it just has been very smooth. Well, thank you. You know
3: that was that was that was what we were in. trying to achieve. Yes, yes. That you have no idea all the uh, running around that we do and um and it's I mean it's kind of hard. I can't see what's happening up here. Right. So a lot well, of the food was designed so that it's easy to execute up front. And they um, and they can't look frenetic up here because they're right full in the center. And the pastry team is up here as well. Yeah. So you walk in, you can see the first courses and the last courses before you even sit down.
1: Yeah. And you had uh, Claudia Fleming helping out on that pastry. She
3: was amazing. I got to spend all summer working with Claudia on this, and um, you know, kind of sharing her, her experience and her running restaurants mm-hmm. and um, her savory and sweet side, and helping. Um, create what we've created here, and she was really um, an enormous help, even on the savory. When it was just her and I all summer long, creating the food and tasting and, and testing, and she must have tested, tasted so many versions of that onion torta and so many versions of the trout. And to see them now come to fruition, it's um, I'm sure it's it's really fun for her as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure. I mean, fabulous team you have here. It was great. <laughs> so before we take a break, what um, do you still? I mean, do you? I, I get the impression that you still love it. Are you, did, I mean, what, what do you love most and what's most challenging, I would say, or that you find nowadays?
3: Um, I think right now, I mean, yes, I still love it. Um, this is a 29-year you know, relationship with restaurants. Yes. Um, <laughs> I still love the, uh, the business, I love the, I love the moving parts, I love watching the guests, I love feeling that energy. Um, most of all, I actually just love teaching people about Italian food, um, the cooks, the guests, um, that's really what what makes it worth coming to work every day and, and watching these guys excel um, and tell me don't we don't need you today? It's okay, you know. Um, that's that's really what we are as chefs. We're just teachers. We're educators.
1: Yeah, and and the biggest challenges besides the the smell. <laughs> um,
3: uh, um, you know, the, the, especially in this restaurant, learning how to trust people was um, was a big one up front, uh, especially because of such a big opening, and I couldn't see nine of our 35 dishes and learning how to teach people to see what I see and for them to figure out how to do it better. Um, I think staffing is definitely, you know, we're, we're experiencing that now. Uh, definitely looking for a bigger team to be able to run all of this. I mean, a lot of things people don't. I mean, prices right now, products, getting products, pricing of products um that's a huge challenge right now i mean salt and fryer oil alone are like five times what they used to be six times what they used to be. wow so i didn't realize um, yeah it's the little things that people like you know our job is a lot about looking at numbers Mm -hmm. and data Um, for sure but right now yeah those are some of the biggest things that we're facing and going and now i'm just nervous about what's going to happen with spring and then the challenge of the wheat industry eventually will be a big challenge because of what's happening right now, that a lot of wheat wasn't planted uh, because of the war going on. And so we're going to see a lot of this down the road as well.
1: Yeah. Well, good you bring it up? Because most I don't I think a lot of people, especially like regular diners, don't think about this stuff.
3: Scarcity of products are going to happen yeah. eventually because we're not growing things that we need to grow now for later. Um, um, yeah, I mean, if we showed guests half the time of what things actually cost, it would blow them away. Well
1: do you feel you get pushback here from prices at all? or I don't no, I think
3: we're fair. I think yeah, we're still approachable. I, think so too. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know Italian food essentially is peasant food. So a lot of like it was built out of necessity and what they had. and you know, and we're honoring that. So you know we're making sure utilization of everything here is is one hundred percent important.
1: Yeah, well, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. We'll take a little break here and we'll come back. We'll play my speed round. We'll talk some industry news, have my solar dining experience, and the final question. So stay with us. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network.
0: This episode is brought to you by Bento Box. A restaurant marketing and commerce platform that helps you get discovered, make more money, and engage your diners so you can deliver great hospitality both in person and online. In the heart of Williamsburg, Brooklyn, Lilia combines wood-fired seafood, handcrafted pasta, classic Italian cocktails, and warm hospitality. Since 2016, it's been celebrated as a neighborhood gathering place, bringing the best of Italy to New York City. Lilia is one of over 8,000 restaurants that leverages BentoBox to power their digital front door, including their website, gift cards, event management, and more. Visit getbento.com slash HRN today to learn more and get your first month free. That's getbento.com slash HRN.
1: Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Hillary Sterling. She's the executive chef at Chisiamo in New York City, which is part of Danny Meyer's Union Square Hospitality Group. Hillary, it's time for my speed round game. What this is, is I like name a couple things and you get to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla.
3: Amazing, I love speed round.
1: Cool, here we go. Eat in at home or eat out at a restaurant. That's, <laughs> that's not fair. I thought you liked speed rounds.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, 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 at home.
1: Indoor dining or alfresco dining? Alfresco. Wine, beer, cocktail, mocktail, or champagne?
3: Mm, uh, wine. I'm lying. Beer, probably.
1: <laughs> okay. How about tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Okay, a few more. Pasta or pizza? I kill you.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, If it was dried pasta, then, you know, dried pasta probably. Oh, interesting. Okay.
1: Working in an open kitchen or a closed kitchen?
3: Uh, Open kitchen.
1: Cheese plate or dessert?
3: Cheese plate.
1: Last one's Manhattan or Brooklyn?
3: It's going to have to be Brooklyn.
1: Brooklyn. All right.
3: Cool. Awesome. Those are tough.
1: You did well. well. I don't
3: know. Pizza really might be still. Might be. That's the only one that I have to really think about. Yeah. I love them both dearly.
1: I would, I, if I was answering, I would say pizza, but it's it's a hard one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for you, it's an <laughs> <the> impossible one. <laughs> All right, you did well, and thank you. It's time for industry news. So I picked out this article in the New York Post. It's entitled "Pete Davidson Delacour Street Style Trend Inspired by Bagels and Babkas," and this is by Jeanette Settembre, who's I know through the industry. She's awesome. So it's talking about, it starts out, come for the knishes, pastrami and bagels, leave for the hats, hoodies and t-shirts. So it's talking about this trend, you know, merchandise sold at restaurants, but there's been some collaborations with a lot, you know, big retail brands. Like there's one between Coach and Zabars that they have going where they have an expensive little sweater for four hundred ninety-five dollars. Oh my god! <laughs> um, and they have a leather tote, and uh, there's actually I went for this one last year. Jake Jake Gillenthal has mm-hmm. done stuff with uh, Russ and Daughters, and last year I bought. They had a, a black hoodie, yeah, which was pricey. It was one fifty, but the money, the proceeds was going to uh, the Actors Fund, which felt felt good in the pandemic to be sporting them. And it has locks mm-hmm. written across the top. And I'm like, I love locks, I'm getting that. Totally.
3: So. Absolutely. I was at Russ and Daughters yesterday. <laughs> okay, cool.
1: I, I need I'm not into to go back there. But mm-hmm. yeah, so so what do you, I mean, I guess, I feel like merchandise for restaurants is always, people have had it, and it's a good yeah. way to support restaurants. But this seems to be a little bit of a trend of of more, I guess, high fashion.
3: Yes. I, I mean, food is so present in, in all of everything we do and and you know restaurants are especially in the last two years have has needed so much support and help and I think it was a great way especially last year to get those two things together um, <clears throat> to be able to support the actors and support the food and I definitely wanted one of those Locks sweaters. and I think I missed, I missed the uh, deadline of it I don't know if they're still available
1: they uh, may be
3: it might be I'll have to take a look my sister actually just got one recently so maybe um, for her birthday uh, but yeah I mean I think that it's Restaurants are so popular and people know about them and people are so involved in food culture across the United States and across the world. Like we go to you know, other places in the city, especially, or just other cities. And you know, we're like, where are you gonna eat? Where are you gonna go? And then of course you want to bring something back, not just the memory. And I think that's also part of it. Um, you're bringing back you know, a piece of their restaurant and of what they have. I mean, I know Turkey and the Wolf has some crazy <clears throat> Uh, merch as well down in New Orleans that are, are really awesome and they're yeah. fun. Um, I think chefs were creative and I think this is another outlet, especially not just as the high end, but just kind of other smaller businesses helping bring in revenue without actually producing and having to sell food for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with all, all of that. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's certainly, I think we're going to see more of this and I think um, it is, it's a great it's it's a great way to support, it's a great way to have a, a memory or a memento or something to take with you and um yeah, I like I I mean I'm I'm into it. I think some of this stuff might be a little a little or a lot expensive, but then again there's people who
3: can go for it. They they have the you know, yeah. they have the opportunity and the will. Like they right. let them spend yeah, it. That's exactly. fine.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. If you if you had a I don't know, if you had a collab, what would you is there something you'd wanna like march or what do you march do you do you
3: have march? we year? don't okay. we don't have that yeah we um maybe maybe in year one we'll at the end of year one we'll figure that out because uh, our logos are great um yeah and, uh, so we have tote bags and stuff for the teams and water bottles and stuff but we haven't sold anything yeah mm-hmm. well wait
1: wait till i don't think we t- chisiamo means
3: it means oh chisiamo means you know are, are you ready we have arrived it has a lot of different slang yeah. You know meanings to it. Um, We're here, you know. Right. You know, let's go.
1: Like. Yeah. Well, that could I could see that You know, these
3: expressions or something on exclamation point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We'll work on that, Uh, um, Kelsey. If you can hear this, you know, eventually, (laughs) it's it's on you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. A little. Give give me a little credit. No. 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 I'm just teasing. Um, That would be cool. I'd get one.
3: (laughs) We'll send you one.
1: Fabulous. So and and before I moved to my solo dining, when, when did you officially open it here?
3: Uh, Mid-October of uh, 2021. Okay. So we're, we're six months. We're just, we're still a baby.
1: Were you, I mean, I work with restaurants in PR. Everyone's always delayed. Like what was the delay and do from the pandemic? Um,
3: the the biggest delay was actually the furniture, what you're sitting on right ah. now. These, yeah, these. Shipping. these uh, they, they took a while to get here. They definitely had a long adventure through the Panama Canal, through up, the, you know, through the Carolinas. They definitely got stuck here and there. So that was one of our biggest uh, delays along the way.
1: Well, we're in this lovely, beautiful mm-hmm. banquet. It was worth the wait. <laughs> yeah, very nice.
3: And I got to open with the end of summer fall menu already, So which was really yeah. lovely. My favorite time to cook.
1: Very cool. Well, yeah, yeah. I can't believe you're in my head. You've been around longer than six months, right?
3: <laughs> feel, it, feels like it feels like we've been here for a while, but uh, just six months, yes.
1: yeah. Okay, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, well, we'll look forward to the year anniversary. Me too. <laughs> okay, so let me do my solo dining experience. So this week I went to Veselka. So here's the rundown the location 144 Second Avenue at Ninth Street in the East Village, New York City. The concept, since 1954, Veselka has been serving up Ukrainian food from the same location in the heart of the East Village. The owners right now, third-generation owner, Jason Burchard. Why'd I go? Well, it's a great spot. I hadn't been in a while. It's a very, very beloved spot. And I wanted to go so, show some support also for their Ukrainian efforts. So my experience. So recently, it was one of these nights in New York City that the temperature just dropped out of nowhere and it was freezing, it was a Sunday night. And I was down in the East Village, I was actually doing some work at a coffee shop, and afterward I decided to walk over and get a little bite to eat. Um, there was a little line outside, I waited about 10 minutes to go in. It was, I would say it was worth it, good energy inside. I got a little two top in the back. Um, great server, John, who I, helped me decide what to get, and we had a really nice talk. And um, it, felt, it felt great to be there. So what I get, well, I got a cup of borscht, which is traditional Ukrainian soup made with red beetroots, and I got four pierogies, Ukrainian-style dumplings, handmade daily. Um, I went with the boiled ones because I felt they were more traditional. They also come fried, and my server, John, I let him pick out which ones to get for me, and I, I was surprised. So I had potato, meat, cheese, and sauerkraut mushroom, and it all came with sauteed onions and sour cream, and at the end, I got a coffee. My take, soup was great, very flavorful, lots of lots of uh, hearty heartiness to it. Some meat, meat in it. Um, really liked it, and the dumplings. Almost to my surprise, I was like delighted how much I liked them. I was sort of I wasn't sure boiled dumplings if if I would absolutely love them, but I did. They were they're freshly made. I liked all four varieties. Um, I'm going back. <laughs> Uh, The ambiance, so it's a casual corner location. It's got wood tables, has a lot of character. It's kind of like a diner-esque vibe. And um, it has big windows too around the corner. I'd say it's perfect for a solo meal or dining with friends. Interesting tidbit. So currently their tagline is Eat Borscht, Stand with Ukraine. They are donating 100% of proceeds from Borscht sales, both in-store, takeout, and delivery to Ukraine. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to get it. and if you go to their website, they got a bunch of partnerships and donation efforts they're also doing for Ukraine. Uh, recently, New York City's Mayor Eric Adams dined there, and um, he also, on that same trip, give her a shout out, visited my friend Barbara Sibley's Lapa Lapa, who I've also done some work for. Um, so that was cool. Uh, personal fun fact, uh, this wasn't my first time there. I'd been there uh, several years ago, and I remember last time I got the blintzes, which were also delicious. Uh, the cost of this meal was $17. That's not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Yes, I would. And their website is Veselka.com, Instagram, Veselka, NYC. There you go. I'm sure you've been there. 100. <laughs> it's so good.
3: <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> I was like, man, should I just order that right now? It sounds great. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, it's a it's quite a large menu too. There are yeah. a lot of options.
3: So much. I mean, but the the pierogies are so good, and blintzes yeah. for me growing up was like one of my favorites. Yeah. I love them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Same. But I don't know why. We well not not we didn't have them all the time, but we had them enough that, and you, know, you don't see you don't see many blintzes on menus.
3: You see, Baz Bagels has them on their menu, um, but no, my mom used to get the frozen ones, and like so we, they were just always in the. I know it's terrible. She, every time I say it, I out loud. you. I think <laughs> we did the same. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> but if, I mean like Crispelle and crepes, it, it's all it's all the same. You, yeah. you know, so you can make. During the pandemic, I'd made them at home with with crepes and ricotta instead.
2: Well, at your caliber, yes. Making <laughs> them at home.
1: I'm like, yeah, Frozen Frozen can work. but uh, The Frozen are definitely probably better anyway. <laughs> All good. Yeah, it felt good to be back. I was like, I was, I was due for, I was due for a visit. And um, yeah, it's a great spot. Okay, so it's time for the final question. So my next guest is Laura Lashley. She's the national on-premise manager for Diageo Non-Alcohol, where she leads the brand's training and advocacy programs in the U.S. She previously worked in New York City bars, most notably as head bartender and and bar manager at Avroco's Madame Geneva, and bar manager at the Breslin and Ace Hotel Lobby Bar. So, Hillary, what would you like to ask Laura?
3: Um, I think the, I mean, the N.A. cocktail culture right now is is just booming and it's one of the highest grossing or growing parts of this industry. Um, I really love a lot of the pre-made cocktails that have been coming out. Um, but I also really want to see, you know, the sometimes the I find the N.A. spirits are being really sweet. So how can we figure out a way to um, get those to be into cocktails that aren't so sweet and like to really make it uh, a little bit more lighter and more fresh? Or is there products that we don't know about um, that are still up and coming? And how do we balance all of those things, especially for us? We have an NA beverage section here, um, and some of our biggest battles are not making things too sweet.
1: Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're spot on. It is, it is hap- there's
3: a lot more happening in the space. And there's so many options now. Um, and just even, you know, the NA spritz culture is also really amazing. So I think there's so many great opportunities out there and to keep it going and excelling and making it better. And NA beers, when I was training for a triathlon, I I totally drank a lot of NA beers. Um, and I definitely found ones that were better than others. And I think that all the breweries now are producing them. And it's great to see.
1: Yeah, yeah. And if you haven't tried Curious Elixirs before, mm-hmm um i work with them so if uh they've been it's yeah they've been around they've one of the pioneers in in the space and it's certainly been nice to see their yeah
3: their growth but it's amazing um, the seed lips and the curious elixirs that started bringing all of this na opportunity to the front lines like you know that's um it's really great to see It, it captures a whole different market
1: it really does. I mean, I don't drink, so it captures
3: me. <laughs> Absolutely, and it, I mean, we we treat them like they are as as high of a priority in this yeah. restaurant as anything else. So yeah,
1: yeah. All right, awesome. Well, I'm going to ask her. I look forward to talking with her because, um, yeah, it's a she's she's going to be very knowledgeable about <laughs> this field. Um, so thank you, and thank you for taking the time to join me today. Of and of course feed me all the time and it's I. My pleasure. it's uh, yeah I, I wish you much continued success I have no doubt you won't continue to be successful and um, yeah congratulations on everything thank you so much You're thanks for welcome. having me my pleasure till next time my guest today has been Hillary Sterling she's the executive chef at chisiamo in New York City which is part of Danny Meyers Union Square Hospitality Group their website is is chisiamonyc.com and on Instagram at chisiamo and Hillary is at Chef Hillary Sterling and she's got two L's in there and Hillary so go find her follow her and follow me at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR and at all industry my Facebook page is on the industry my website's BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and AllInTheIndustry.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Thanks to my engineer today, Kevin. Thanks again to Hillary and also to the whole TCMO team. Awesome to be here on location, a little behind-the-scenes look. I'm your host and producer, Sherry Bayer. I will be back next week with a new show. Hope you'll tune in then, and thank you, as always, for being part of All in the Industry. Bye.